Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, and welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 237. Today we're discussing environmental or nature related books. And that is a category that is on our 2022 reading challenge. You can still join in that challenge if you haven't yet. And this is a category we wanted to make sure we shared recommendations. We'd love to hear ones that you are reading. It is a broad category, so there's not a right choice to make here, but we will share the ones that we've picked today and why we felt like it matched the category and how it fits in. Before we get started with our discussion today, I wanted to remind you that every month we have a book club and a buddy read and And that is something where you can read along with us. The buddy reads are always young adult. The book club is varied. But you can read along with us and you can chat with us about those books. We do those chats on Instagram at Unabridged Pod. So you can check out our feed there. You can always see what our upcoming ones are. And if you're interested in joining in and you haven't participated before, you can always just message us and we're happy to tell you a bit more details about how those go. But that's a great way to plug into our community. We have a lot of fun discussing books on there. So again, Anytime you want to join in, we have usually a couple a month every now and again. Our buddy read is also our book club occasionally if it's a young adult pick, but you can just find us at Unabridged Pod and message us there and we'll be happy to help you get started. Before we get started with our environmental picks that we want to share today, we want to jump in with our bookish check-in. Jen, what are you reading? So I am in the middle of Layla Motley's Night Crawling, and this is a read with Tony, buddy read pick. It is, wow, it is a tough read, but it is really brilliant. The author, Motley, started this when she was 17. She's only 20 now. So this is a remarkable debut from a still very young woman. And I will say this one has all the trigger warnings. So the main character is Kiara and she lives with her brother, Marcus. Kiara is 17 and he is just a couple years older. I can't remember. I think he's 19 or 20 and they live alone in in an apartment. Their father has died. And their mother is in a halfway house after a crime that it takes a while for Motley to unveil. And they are living in Oakland and have just gotten a notice that their rent is increasing and they were already having a really difficult time making the rent already. So Kiara's perspective drives this one and She is responsible beyond her years. Her older brother did take care of her for a while after their mother was taken away, but he has become infatuated with a dream that he's going to become a successful rapper and is basically pouring all of his time and energy into that. And Kiara is constantly trying to communicate to him that while she supports his dream, she also needs him to get a job. And he just, he just doesn't want to. And so Kiara is feeling all of the pressure of keeping this apartment, of trying to find a job. She's having a really hard time, partly because of her age 
And partly just because there aren't a lot of jobs out there. She also cares for her neighbor, Trevor, who is nine and he lives with his mom, but his mom is not around much. And so she's also trying to make sure that Trevor has a place to stay and can keep it. I mean, basically you're feeling like she is the weight of the world pressing down on her. And I I will say that's probably as far as I want to go plot wise. I have reached the point where other pathways for Kiara have started unfurling. The synopsis I think gives too much away. I wish I hadn't read it, but there is a new story on which part of this is based. And again, I feel like that is giving too much away and I kind of of wish I hadn't read it, but there is a kernel of truth here. So I, I would highly recommend it so far. I'm really interested to see where it goes. But again, you have to be in the right headspace for a book like this. So it is brilliant, but it is a tough read. That is Layla Motley's Nightcrawling. Wow. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of posts about that one, Jen, but it sounds really powerful. Yes, so far. I just cannot believe the writing is so strong. So the plot is powerful, but the writing is just stunning as well. So it's really impressive. Yeah. How about you, Ashley? What are you reading? So one that I'm reading right now is Abdi Nazemian's Like a Love Story. And this is a young adult book. It is set in 1989 in New York City. And it focuses on three main characters. Reza is the character you meet first. And he is from Iran. And he has very recently come to the city with his mother. They're coming to live with his stepfather and his stepbrother. And so he's new to the city. And we meet him first, and he's getting ready to start school. We also, shortly after that, meet Judy and Art. And Judy and Art are already best friends, and Art is the only openly gay student at their school, and he is very vibrantly expressing his sexual orientation. He's, like, really colorful. He dyes his hair all these different ways, and he's very open about being gay. And so he has a strong presence at the school, but also takes a lot of bullying, and people are cruel to him. But then he also, you know, he's just has a strong presence, and so people are very aware of him. And then Judy is his best friend. And she is a fashion designer, and she loves to make her own clothes. And so she's got a really colorful personality as well. Judy is very close to her uncle, who is a gay man who's living with AIDS. And again, this is set in 1989. So this is at the time that AIDS is an epidemic, but no one, a lot of the details are both not known and also not shared. There's a profound discrimination happening. There's also a lot of covering of information that would be helpful to protect people against getting the virus, the HIV virus that would then result in AIDS. But because no one wants to acknowledge what's happening. And because of discrimination and cruelty and the way that people see the disease in general, there's a lot of things that could help prevent the spreading that are not happening. So part of what the book is about is activism and the movement to try to spread information, to try to lower the cost of some of the drugs. There's also like this like unbelievable markup on some of the drugs that would help make people more comfortable, help prolong life, all that kind of stuff. And they're prohibitively expensive. And so there's also some effort being made by the gay community in New York City, which Judy and Art are becoming a part of in the sense that, you know, there are young people who go to the meetings and Art especially wants to be very present for the active parts and for being, he wants to be an activist with it. And so we see that happening. 
And then Reza, when he starts school, he immediately gets to know them, but he is figuring out his own identity. He's discovering that he is potentially gay, but all he knows about that is that men who are gay are dying. And so he doesn't even have a good understanding. And again, I think this is reflective of the time. He doesn't have a good understanding of what AIDS is. He just knows that gay men are dying and that seemingly to him, if you are gay, you die. And he doesn't really know why. And so at the beginning, you're really seeing that misinformation and how misconstrued that is for young people. He sees this Time magazine cover, and that's kind of the extent of what he knows. And so at the beginning, you see that. And then also, right away when Judy meets Reza, she has a bit of a crush on him. And so we see that unfurling also. So all that happens right at the beginning, that the three of them are starting to get to know each other. Judy has this great interest in Reza, and then Reza's trying to figure these things out about himself and also about the gay community at large. And so it is really richly told. I didn't know when I started that it would have the different perspectives, which I'm absolutely loving. And I am fascinated by the grounding in the history of the time and what it was like during that era. And it's painful to read in the sense that it's awful that those things were happening and that so much could have been better for a lot of people if things had been handled differently. But it is a very hopeful and, you know, despite the, like, when I say it, it sounds really heavy, but it's really a light read and a lot of fun. And, and yeah, I'm loving it so far. So again, that is Abdi Nazeman's Like a Love Story. And I am thoroughly enjoying it so far. I have seen that cover so many times and it looks so good, but it sounds great. I didn't really know all that it was about. So yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, I'm excited to read it. I kind of stumbled upon it, but it's really good. Well, we are going to share today about environmental or nature books. And again, like I said in the beginning, when we chose this as a reading challenge topic, we were just kind of thinking it's nice to read books that have some focus on that. And so these could span a lot of genres. It does not have to be a nonfiction book that is about the environment. It can be anything that touches on that as being central to the story. And so I think, I know that mine that I'm sharing today is fiction. I don't know for you, Jen. Yes, mine is also fiction. Okay. So, you know, these, for us, we both picked ones that are fiction stories, but the environmental role is significant. And so that's why we want to share them today. And if you are looking for recommendations, definitely let us know on social media. And we're happy to give some more recommendations about this topic, but it is a broad one. So, I think sometimes people feel like you have to have, you know, there's a short list and you have to pick off that list. And that's not the case at all. It just needs to be something that in some way relates to nature or the environment as part of the story. So, Jen, do you want to share your recommendation? Sure. This was really fun. So I have said before that I teach at a school with a focus on environmental science, and it has been a goal to read more in this category But yeah, I didn't just want to have nonfiction books. I wanted to have fiction. I've read some YA. So I'll do a bookish fave post on the blog soon with some recommendations of things I've read recently, just as I've tried to deepen my knowledge of books written about the environment and nature. But my pick is Barbara Kingsolver's Flight Behavior. And Ashley and I both are big Barbara Kingsolver fans. We've talked about her on the podcast before. This book is so, so good. And 
as with Kingsolver always, she has this deep sense of character woven together with an important issue. Flight Behavior takes place in the Appalachian Mountains, and it focuses on Delarobia Turnbow, who is still a young woman. She's a wife. She's a mom. And she has started feeling as if those parts of her identity are pretty oppressive. And so she is looking to change the way she sees her life going, but she's not exactly sure how to bring about a change. So she makes some decisions that are pretty, uh, I will just say, they maybe are not the best decisions to make a positive change in her life. She's just acting out. Sorry, I'm trying to describe this without spoilers. And it is tough because some of the things happen right off. But I also think it's a book. It's nice to go in cold. So she's on her way to do something that is, I would say, not a great decision. When she looks up and sees that the mountain is on fire. And she is just horrified, of course, because this is her home. But then as she looks more closely, she realizes that it's not on fire. It is covered in butterflies. And they are blazing orange and really vivid. And she's never seen anything like it before. It's beautiful, but it's also just so out of context and so out of her personal experience that she doesn't know what to make of it. And so she starts to investigate and she is put into contact with someone who studies these butterflies. And he explains that their arrival on this mountain is a sign of climate change, that where they normally would light at this time in their migration has been devastated by environmental things related to climate change. And so they have come this far north because they have nowhere else to go, but they can't survive in the low temperatures that are going to hit this part of the Appalachians. So it is this crisis that... He is, the scientist is interested in documenting, but he, it is also deeply saddening because he realizes that this could mean the end of the species if this happens. Della Rovia is really, really intelligent, but she did not have much schooling. And so she sort of becomes like an intern for this scientist And starts learning more about the world and about the environment and about climate change, which in her community, she feels like has not gotten any attention at all. And so this becomes a real focus for her. So I I don't want to go any further in the plot, but as you can see, her sort of personal crisis becomes interwoven with this climate crisis. And so I think it, it never feels like King Solver is lecturing to the reader but I did become in, a greatly intrigued by this thing that really is happening. And I've learned more about it since. And so it is based in science, but it, it's just beautiful. King Solver's writing is always gorgeous. I feel like this one melts character and plot and important topic beautifully. So I was just compelled through the entire book, both to see what happened with the butterflies, to see what happened with Delarobia and her family. And yeah. It is an amazing read. So that is Barbara Kingsolver's Flight Behavior. And I think readers of all kinds would would just love it. Wow. Man, that sounds really great, Jen. I need to come back to her books because she just has so many that I have not read. And I know that I would love them. But I didn't know anything about that one. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I don't feel like it's one of hers that has gotten tons of attention. But it, yeah, I really think more people should read it. 
And again, it, it, while it does have the scientific information, it doesn't feel like a nonfiction read the plot and the character. So well done. Yeah. So how about you, Ashley, what's your pick? So the one I wanted to share is actually thanks to people in the Reading Challenge group and in the Ambassador group. This one came up more than once as a recommendation if people had shared that they were reading this for this category. And I kind of stumbled upon it from there. And I'm so glad I did because, oh my gosh, I absolutely loved it. This is Charlotte McConaughey's Once There Were Wolves. And what this is about is the repopulating, the attempt by scientists to repopulate wolves in the Scottish Highlands. And so Inti is a scientist, and she is traveling with her sister Aggie, her twin sister, to Scotland with this science team in order with like, you know, they're biologists and they specialize in wolves and their purpose is to, they're bringing two small packs of wolves and they're going to try to integrate them back into the Highlands. And a lot of what, like you were saying, Jen, for one thing, the book is very much about that is happening, but it is very much about the people in the story and the people who live in the town and the farming community in the Highlands and the resistance to the wolves because of their livelihood and wanting to protect their sheep and their all the animals that they sell, basically. They're trying to protect their farms. And so they're really resistant to the wolves for understandable and obvious reasons. So it's a lot about the balance between the science community and the farming community and the tension that's there. And I think something that I found really powerful was just the focus on exploring the importance of apex predators in the ecology of a ecological system. And I hadn't thought a lot about that. And so it was just a lot about how when you remove the apex predators, you then have all these overpopulation problems that would be regulated by nature, but are no longer able to be regulated. And so because of that, we have all these other issues that come as secondary issues to the primary issue, which is overpopulation, which is caused by the removal of apex predators. And so all of that was just really fascinating. But I also didn't know much about wolves. And so NT is... I mean, she just loves them. She understands them. She knows how they track and how they work and how they live together. And she understands their communities. And so, like, all of that is really fascinating. But she never loses sight of the fact that they are wild animals and that they are better off without any human intervention at all. And so it's that tension for her between... When should humans be involved in order to try to correct some of the damage that's been done? And when do we have to just let things play out the way they're going to play out regardless? And so there's some of that, too, about, like, what is human intervention supposed to look like? But anyway, that is one part of the story. What I did not expect, there were just a lot of things that really surprised me in this book. And I think that's part of why I enjoy them so much. And like you were saying, Jen, I don't want to give things away that I didn't know beforehand, because I think that was part of the fun was seeing all the different things that played out in the story that were just so different from what I just described, like just so outside of that, that central thread. There's all these other things that are just so richly woven But it is a lot about, there's a whole exploration of domestic abuse and about human interaction with each other and how all of those things play out and 
what those dynamics look like between people. And I just thought all that was really fascinating. And so I found the book deeply moving and I felt like there was this really interesting exploration of humans as animals. And although that was never set out right, I felt like it was a lot about there's this parallel happening between her studying the wolves and then what you're seeing play out in the town and also in the backstory of their own lives and what made them who they are today. And so there's just a lot of that that's totally fascinating. And there's also a lot of unpacking of Inti and Aggie have this baggage they brought with them that you like emotional baggage that you can tell that they have, but you don't know what it is. And so there's a lot of this mystery for the reader of trying to figure out how they got to where they are and the unpacking of that. And Inti, you're kind of processing with her some of the things she brought with her when she got to the Highlands. And so I absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And again, that was Charlotte McConaughey's Once There Were Wolves. And I thought it was great. Oh my gosh. I really want to read that. I've been seeing it everywhere on Bookstagram and I was drawn to it. But yes, your description. <laughs> it's moving it to the top of my TBR. Yes. Really I don't think good. you'd be disappointed. I mean, like I said, I, I knew from the title and from what I'd heard about it, that it did have to do with the wolf population. But then I just felt like part of what I loved was all the different facets of life that are covered in the story. And I did not expect that. And I just thought all that was really beautifully done. And the writing is gorgeous. I mean, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. (laughs) So yeah, I recommend it. It's definitely a top read for me so far this year. So it's been really good. That's exciting. So we hope that the, I know that I want to read Jen's. I hope that that gave you a, cu- a couple of recommendations that would definitely work for this category. And I think I said at the beginning, but it is not too late to join our reading challenge. It's doable. You may find that there are several categories that you have already done. So even this late in the year, if you want to jump in, feel free to join us and to read along and you know pick your books for your category. And you may find that you've already covered quite a few of them, but it's still doable. Sometimes it's nice in the this part of the year to find something to join in on and not feel like you have to wait till January. So there's some recommendations for that category for you. We wanted to finish up today by sharing for our Give Me One, a favorite summer memory. So Jen, what's your pick? So I've been debating whether to do from when I was a kid or when my boys were little. And I think I'm going to do when I was a kid. I've been talking a lot recently with some of my friends about the epic out West trip my family took when I was in eighth, like the summer after my eighth grade year. And we drove the entire way. And it was my mom, my dad, my sister, my grandma, and me all in our Oldsmobile. And it was tight. And I remember there were many parts of it that were kind of miserable because we were very cramped. But it was also a lot of fun. So I feel like the high points of that trip were so amazing. We saw some beautiful parts of the United States that I had not seen before. We saw a lot of animals that were really cool. My family, my dad was a wildlife biologist and Yeah. So I feel like this is a very themed choice for our episode right here. But yeah, it was just one of those trips that even remembering the parts that were not so fun, the fights about who had more space in the backseat or (laughs) are now fun stories that I can look back on. So yeah, how about you, Ashley? So I think I'm going to go with a memory that I have from childhood, but that is ongoing in my life. And that is the visits to Alabama and the lake there. And that my grandma, when I was growing up, lived on a lake in northern Alabama. And 
it was where my dad was from, but he did not grow up on the lake. But my grandfather, who I only, I don't remember because he passed away when I was two, but my grandfather built the house and they were right on the water at a time that people were not yet really gravitating to that in the 60s. And so they were able to get the land for really cheap. He built the house himself and so it is amazing because the lake is really gorgeous. It's really nice water, and it's the kind of thing that is a luxury we would not be able to do for more than, you know, a short period of time at an Airbnb otherwise. But our family gets to enjoy it. So it was my grandma's house when I was growing up. She passed away in 2012, and now my dad lives here. So he has come back to where he grew up, and he lives in the house. And it's just really special. I think I have a lot of really great memories of spending time on the water and spending time with my grandma, who I otherwise didn't get to see a lot. It was a pretty long drive, so it was a lot of a like a summertime thing that we did. And now I bring my kids, and we spend time with my dad. And so it's just really has a lot of great meaning like emotional connections but I also just have a lot of fun I mean we we spend a ton of time on the water and we kayak and we swim and we get out and do fun stuff and I love it so yeah so that's mine (laughs) it's an ongoing good family memory I love that continuation (laughs) it's sweet and like you said Jen there's a lot of a lot of other feelings but even those things I can see through a happy lens because it's a special thing we don't get to do a whole lot otherwise so (laughs) Well, we hope that you enjoyed listening to our recommendations, and we're excited to hear what you are reading for this category. Like I said, I would not have discovered Once There Were Wolves if it were not for the ambassadors and the people in the reading challenge group who recommended that one. And so let us know what you're reading for that. And again, we're at Unabridged Pod on social media, and you can just share there. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.